Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. We have another important and big show for you today, so let's waste no time and dive in. We've been following closely, as has everyone, the events surrounding the raid uh, into Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, and one of the conversations that spurred from it that I think may be likely is this idea that Trump may want to announce his run for president earlier than even he was already planning on doing, which was already reportedly going to be somewhat early. And this would secure both his decision to run as well as make him want to announce early to give him some sort of protection from what's going on. Now, if that's a thing that should be the way that it is, the fact that running for president could shield you from legal consequences is another conversation. Obviously, I don't think it should, but I do think it's reasonable. He knows there's going to be an even higher bar for them to go after him if he's an actively running president. But honestly, at this point, I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. They've already kind of done a big public show that they are investigating him, so they're going to want to follow through. Um, but regardless, it looks like people close to Trump are picking up on this idea and encouraging him to run and to announce his candidacy for president earlier than expected before the midterms, which is really weird. Rarely ever do you have a president announce or someone announce that they're running for president before even the midterms, because then you're taking a lot of the attention and a lot of the kind of pomp and circumstance out of the midterms. And it becomes about you, especially in the case of Donald Trump, where the entire midterms would become about him and not so much a referendum on the Democrats or uh, the Republican Party or something like that. So very interesting stuff. First, we have Jim Banks, Congressman Jim Banks, saying that they met with Trump and were encouraging him to announce early in light of the recent raid on Mar-a-Lago. Now from members, from well, members who are I've never seen, I've never seen President, President Trump as fired up as what he was tonight. He is not deterred, he's not phased at all by what the DOJ has done to him, an unprecedented move of raiding the home of a former president and not at all explaining to the American people about why they did it. But House Republicans, we took- Quickly to that point, as has been highlighted a lot recently, Donald Trump and his lawyers have the power to shed more light on why his house was raided by releasing um, the information from the warrant. And they haven't done that. So there were a dozen of us that visited with President Trump tonight. We, we wanted to go and and tell President Trump we stand with him. And when Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan will be the, the right man at the right time in the right place as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee to hold the Department of Justice accountable for these actions. House Republicans are unified more than ever before to fight alongside President Trump to save this country. We, we largely, all everyone in the room, encourage President Trump to run for president again. And the sooner he gets out and starts campaigning, the better. He helps Republicans in the midterm elections to get out uh, his voters to support uh, growing a historic Republican majority over the next two years that'll pave the way for winning back the White House in 2024. We have to. So they met with Trump. He was very happy or motivated, I guess, uh, was what he said. And they were encouraging him to announce as early as possible so that they could start campaigning, that, so that he could start campaigning and motivating his followers before the midterms. That's very fascinating. And I just want to say, I'm totally for that. If he's already going to announce uh, for president at some point, definitely do it before the midterms because that would absolutely help the Democrats. If you have a combined, uh, all the stuff that has hurt the Republicans, namely abortion and, um, gun related things recently, as well as Trump running on top of that 
economic factors are looking better. Democrats have made some huge moves in the right direction with recent legislation. I think they would have a really good chance in the midterms, the Democrats, that is. So having Trump announce and reinvigorating the anti-Trump sentiment in the country, I think would be a huge win for the Democrats. I do think Republicans have a better chance of taking back, back the House and Senate if Trump is less in the picture. Uh, but if he's more in the picture, you could risk seeing what happened in 2020, which was a historic uproar against uh, Donald Trump and against that movement. Um, we have another person here, Jason Miller, former advisor to Donald Trump, also uh, thinking it's much more likely now that he will run for president because of the raid from the FBI. Yeah. It's interesting, though, isn't it? You said to me during the break that it, it, I said, is he going to stand? I think he'll stand. What do you think? Do you think he'll stand? Because you said after last night, the Republicans are absolutely raging. Absolutely. I think that before last night, I'd say it was maybe of the 60-40, maybe 70-30 range. I think after last night, I think it's almost certain that President Trump runs again. And I think the reason being is he realizes that once you start attacking the swamp, once you start trying to change things, they're never going to stop shooting at you. So I obviously disagree with uh, Jason Miller's analysis there. I disagree with both of their analysis, uh, analyses, analyses, but very interesting that people close to Trump, people who are somewhat advising Trump, at least in the first example, are wanting him to announce, wanting him to make sure that he is running and makes that known earlier rather than later due to the FBI raid. So I think from the Republican Party's perspective, this is a bad idea from Trump's perspective, it's a good idea because he will have um, somewhat of a better branding tool if he's actually running for president and can say they're going after a candidate to try to stop me from winning. Um, I do think that will even further enrage people who support him, even though as we all should recognize, regardless of how you feel about this particular investigation, regardless of how you feel about any of the details as of now, you do have to recognize in principle, we shouldn't be against uh, federal authorities or authorities generally, or just the law coming down on individuals, regardless of how prominent they are, regardless of if they're actively running or in public office, because people should be held accountable for crimes they commit, regardless of who they are. Um, and obviously that's not the current state of our country. There's so many examples of people who are wealthy, powerful, well-connected, getting away with things that an average American would never get away with. And so I think breaking that cycle is a good thing. And if they can prove Trump's crimes and absolutely hold them accountable for those, but kind of scary that we could see a situation where in the midst of a presidential campaign, one of the candidates is being investigated for federal crimes. Crazy stuff. Okay, let's jump into a super important but not uh, covered enough story about the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act is a piece of legislation that I'm very excited about. It got passed through the Senate, which I was thrilled uh, about because it's going to easily pass the House and then Biden will sign it into law. And so that means we're going to get a really, really good law uh, pretty soon, which is exciting. I always give the caveat, it's not enough, it's not what this moment calls for, but it is really, really good. Something related to this that I don't think has gotten enough attention is the fact that Republicans forced a provision to get stripped out of the bill relating to capping insulin costs for Americans. And as I'm sure you guys are aware, the full bill got passed just on a 51 vote margin, so just the Democrats passed it the 50 senators, and then Kamala Harris breaking the tie in the Senate. So it was just a Democratic-supported bill 
as a whole. But the, this one provision relating to capping insulin costs uh, required the support of more votes just based on its relevance to the budget, um, parliamentarian stuff. And so because that one provision needed 60 votes, they had to get Republicans on board and they didn't get on board to cap insulin costs, which are getting insane for private uh, insurance people. And specifically, this provision, almost identical for Medicare recipients, was allowed in the bill. Um, so Medicare recipients are going to have these costs capped, but for people in the private market, they're not. And to me, this is just something in a good, healthy, democratic government that would be done with bipartisan support. Uh, whenever you have this necessary drug, that people are getting price gouged, be- price gouged because it is necessary uh, to a crazy extent, and we should be addressing that. But Republicans stood against it. So let's look a little bit here at uh, Pramila Jayapal explaining the situation. What happened on insulin? I, I can't get my head around uh, what happened there. There was a there was legislation uh, that was that, that made a lot of sense to limit how much people pay for insulin, which is a very old drug upon which the patent has run out a long time ago. Uh, I, I don't understand that. This is absolute heresy in my mind, because we had a provision, Democrats did, to cap the price of insulin at 35 bucks, not only for Medicare recipients, but for anyone on private insurance as well. That, of course, is a much, much larger group of people who would see the cost of insulin come down. And the Republicans refused to go along with the provision to extend that cap on insulin to a larger group of people. Now, of course, I should remind everyone that not a single Republican voted for any of this. Not a single Republican wants to cut healthcare costs for Americans or energy costs for Americans or take on climate change. This was passed on a Democratic-only vote, but it is particularly galling to um, to to see Republicans vote against. And I should say, I think there were seven that or six or seven that voted. Uh, with Democrats on this, but the vast majority of Republicans voted against capping the cost of insulin. Uh, that, that was just, uh, cruel in my view to all the people out there who are suffering with this high cost of insulin and millions price gouging. And millions of people. It's, uh, one of the most common afflictions in the. Wow. So a great provision stripped out because Republicans weren't willing to go on board. And again, that's something that needs to be focused on and shouted from the rooftops because tons of conservatives are having to buy insulin and would experience the benefits of that provision. And people need to know that, that it was only supported by seven Republicans. Um, so we'll read a little further about this. From the New York Times, Senate Republicans on Sunday forced the removal of a Democratic proposal that would have capped insulin prices at $35 for private insurers, even as seven Republicans joined all 50 members of the Democratic caucus in an effort to preserve the provision in the climate tax and health care spending bill. Left untouched as of Sunday morning, however, was a separate proposal that caps insulin at $35 per month for Medicare patients. More than 3.3 million people on Medicare receive some common form of insulin. Wow. According to the center's for Medicare and Medicaid. The cap for private insurers was widely viewed as a violation of the strict budgetary rules that govern the reconciliation process Democrats are using to fast-track the package and shield it from a Republican filibuster. But Democrats intentionally did not drop the provision during Republicans to vote on the Senate floor to strip it out. So I think that was a great strategic move. Um, knowing that because it doesn't directly affect the budget in the way that the rest of the bill does, Republicans would have had to give their support to that particular provision for it to happen. Again, 
they had to make the decision to strip that provision out of the bill. And they made that decision besides seven Republicans. The rest of the Senate Republican caucus uh, did not want to help Americans in that way. Um, and that's super disappointing. I think that needs to be focused on a lot more. Donald Trump went in front of the New York Attorney General to answer questions related to her investigation into him relating to his business uh, practices and possible issues there, we'll say. And it's just kind of funny because he he pled the fifth. And while you have that right, you can do that, whatever. It's hilarious because he's someone who so publicly railed against people in the past pleading the fifth. So first we'll just read about this and then we'll look at some clips of him. Um, it's kind of just calling him out for hypocrisy, even though, of course, you don't have to, uh, you know, you can plead the fifth if you would like to, and that's definitely within your rights. So I'm not making some proclamation that no one should ever do that. It is just funny since he's taken such a strong stance on this in the past. Uh, but quickly, former President Donald Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination Wednesday and refused to provide answers under questioning in New York Attorney General Letitia James's probe of his business practices. Mr. Tr Mr. Trump arrived at the New York Attorney General's office shortly before 9 a.m. in a multi-vehicle motorcade. The New York civil fraud investigation involved allegations that his company, the Trump organization, misstated the value of assets like golf courses and skyscrapers, misleading lenders and tax authorities over the years. Mr. Trump said he invoked his constitutional right against self-incrimination because he was facing a renegade and out-of-control prosecutor. Okay, so uh, with that in mind, <laughs> now uh, let's watch this. This is what Trump has to say about people pleading the fifth. The mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the Fifth so they're not prosecuted, when you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the Fifth, I think it's disgraceful. Have you seen what's going on in front of Congress? Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. It's like the Oracle of Delphi there, Evan. <laughs> So he said the mob takes the fifth and he's he's talked about in the past, you know, as you saw there, but he definitely believes it's a sign of guilt to plead the fifth. Again, I'll say another time, I'm not trying to violate anyone's rights. You're allowed to, but it can, based on the investigation, come off as a little uh, slippery, a little guilty, but it shouldn't. I think it doesn't have to. Um, you can just be afraid that you could be caught in a corner and absolute accidentally say something that you didn't mean. I don't know. But point is, Trump has made it very clear that he thinks that's a sign of guilt. And now he's having to do it, uh, which is really fascinating. And I do think if he were to answer questions, that probably would put him in a work worse position because I think his business practices were fishy enough where if he had to answer specific questions, he would be in that debacle where he's either going to have to say something he knows puts him in the wrong position or lie about it. And either way, you're not looking good. So interesting moment. Um, not the most important thing in the world, but funny to watch someone get kind of owned by themselves, we'll say. Okay, let's jump into our last story about the Democrats' midterm strategy. We've been discussing over the last few weeks the fact that it seems like even though Democrats are getting some wins, especially like lately, and if they framed it properly, could 
have a good midterm uh, platform, they don't seem to be doing it very effectively. And how the Republicans, I did a whole segment about how Republicans are so much better at branding than the Democrats, where I think the core of the message of being on the left or being a progressive is really good. But we, for one, get really distracted with all of these kind of orbiting issues that we give a lot of time to, or we don't make it clear when there's things we did that are good, or I should say when the Democrats do things that are good and how that affects people's lives and why they should be supported. It just doesn't seem like they make as good of a case for themselves as the Republicans do. And it's weird because the Republicans often don't actually do that much material good for people, but then they make it out to be a situation where they did. And Trump's a great example of somebody who every time he talked, it was, I've done the best on this and I'm the most historically amazing on this. And even if you didn't support him, you were like, oh gosh, I gotta go fact check. That. Did he really do that amazing thing that he said? Um, oh, nope, that wasn't true. Um, but I think you do have to, if you want to do well in the midterms as the Democrats, do a much better job of branding yourself. And it's going to be a little bit easier now that the economy is kind of back headed in the right direction. Um, obviously still a lot of economic pain out there, a lot of issues, but we seem to be heading in the correct direction. We saw the year over year inflation numbers coming out of July. It looked really good um, as far as slowing down inflation, even though it is still super high, um, as well as jobs numbers, as well as gas prices dropping. Um, so you have that. And then the Democrats just passed through the Senate and is likely to get signed into law by Joe Biden pretty soon once it passes the House. Uh, a really good piece of legislation called the Inflation Reduction Act um, that I think will do very much good for Americans. So with all that in mind, you have a good amount of things there that you could really advocate on behalf of. And there's many other things that I'll show you in this video, but I've been screaming that like, oh, it's so aggravating because when Republicans are in power, everything's the greatest. Everything they've done is absolutely amazing. It's insane. And you could never find a better party in power. And the Democrats get in power and you just never really hear a peep out of them for the good things they're doing comparatively. Obviously, they try to, but it doesn't seem to pierce the noise as effectively. But I saw an ad recently uh, from the DNC that does a pretty good job of making the case for Democrats for the midterms, making the case for Joe Biden and why him as the leader of the Democrats is a good thing. I obviously have the stance that he shouldn't run in 2024, but the more popular he is right now, the more popular the Democrats will be largely. Um, and so you've seen a situation where because he's so unpopular right now, Democrats are kind of distancing themselves from him in the midterms, um, which is not the best thing ever for a party. Uh, but I saw this ad and I wanted to show it to you because I think it's a good example of the type of noise the Democrats should be making more often. And Joe Biden, if he was a better communicator, would be telling this story over and over. So let's go ahead and take a look. Look at these Democrats, a 50-50 split Senate. And you look at Joe Biden, suddenly you have this huge climate change plan, this huge plan to lower drug costs, to help Medicare recipients. Well, the head of the Republican Senate's talking about increasing costs for Medicare and Social Security and taxing poor and middle-class Americans. So you've got an economic rescue plan that's led to the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. You've got a massive bipartisan infrastructure plan that was passed. You've got the first significant gun safety legislation passed in over a decade. You've got the China competitiveness bill, confirmation of the first black woman to the U.S. Supreme Court. And then this package, which is landmark. Yeah. This has been an extraordinarily successful two years. Any way you cut it, even Republicans have to admit this privately, and they are. It's been a hell of a run. So obviously it's a campaign ad. Um, that's why it's 
very pro Democrats from the DNC. Um, and it took an audio bit from um, a cable news show. And it's true. A lot of the stuff they're saying, and I, I've said this before, most people I talk to on the ground and, and, and people in my own life, even if they tend to be more liberal, think that the Democrats are failing miserably and think that Joe Biden's failing miserably. When I ask them, it's all kind of vibe things. Um, but then I when I walk through, uh, historically, especially in modern history, the amount the presidents are able to get done, the amount the parties are able to get done, especially with only 50-50 uh, split in the Senate, and you compare that to what has been done under this administration, it's actually not bad. Again, compared to what I want, it is. Compared to what I think this moment calls for, it is. All of those things are absolutely present. I'm talking about from a campaigning perspective, okay? Nobody freak out. But you look at a situation where Biden gets in office, passes the American Rescue Plan, that did massive, massive stuff within that moment that was absolutely necessary. And then you have a bipartisan and how divided we are right now, infrastructure bill, that's a larger investment in infrastructure um, than, than I think ever was the, the, the statistic. So historically massive infrastructure bill on a bipartisan margin. And that's incredible anytime, but definitely in how divided we are now. And then you look at fast forward, the Inflation Reduction Act, another massive piece of legislation that is absolutely significant and popular. And that's pretty good for how split we are right now in a 50-50 Senate and how hard it is to get things done. Um, and then you look at economic factors that are now going in the right direction and you have a case to be made for the Democratic Party in the midterms, why they should stay in power. And then Separate from kind of the things the Democratic Party has done, the stuff that people are motivated about, including abortion, are huge uh, stimulators for people to show up to the polls. So I think with this message getting put out, in addition to the other factors we've been talking about over the last few months, I think Democratic, the Democrats have a really good chance in keeping the House and Senate in the midterms. Now, it's not absolute at all. Still a good chance Republicans could uh, take one or both of those chambers more likely to take uh, one of them, but I think it's more likely than ever that the Democrats keep both chambers, which is very, very historically unlikely. Usually the president gets in power, who's one party, and the midterms reject the party that the president is. And then you add on top of that the fact that people, it is kind of the economy stupid and people are upset about inflation and gas prices and stuff like that. So if we see things keep going in this direction economically, I think you're getting better and better uh, as we approach the midterms as far as chances for the Democrats. But if things don't go fast enough in the correct direction or somehow start going the wrong direction, then I do think Republicans have a better chance. And that is the message. That's the story that they're telling on the Republican side is all of these economic factors that you're upset with. It's the Democratic Party's fault, which as I've explained in previous segments, I'm totally fine blaming the Democratic Party for things. Honestly, I have no stake in the party infrastructure of either. Um, it's more so about what they're doing and the honest truth of, of the situation. And in this situation, we saw a massive pandemic, huge economic crash, getting out of that bunch of money being dumped in the economy under Trump and Biden, and also price gouging and all of these other things, uh, supply chain issues. Yes, you're going to see bad economic effects from that, but it's hard for people to hear that message as loudly as the message of, look, they're in power and you're upset about economic conditions, so kick them out. That's a pretty, you know, 
logical response, even though if you looked in the nitty gritty of the details, you would probably understand it's not Joe Biden's fault for high gas prices or inflation. Um, but as economic conditions go in the right direction and the Democratic Party tells this story, I think they have a better and better chance. And they should be better at touting their own successes if they want to have any chance. That is today's show. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast version, leave a little rating. Five stars is preferable and some sort of review telling me what you think of the show. Uh, and to everyone else watching, thank you for being here and I'll see you tomorrow.